Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please like, subscribe. I'm honoured to be joined by the esteemed Professor Hajun Chang, who is one of the great economists of our time. We'll go straight into it. I'm going to ask you a very basic, simple question. We've had four decades now of what people would call neoliberalism or free market mm-hmm. economics or laissez-faire, whatever you want to call it, Thatcherism, Reaganism. And those who support those economics would say it has brought growth. It has brought, you know, it brings innovation. It bring, makes everyone richer. What's the scorecard four decades now? How's it all gone? Well, the scorecard is uh, rather pathetic. I mean, uh, of course, uh, they delivered one thing they had uh, promised, uh, which is uh, greater inequality, <laughs> because the logic was that uh, in the process of uh, raising inequality, we give more incentive uh, for the richer people to create more wealth, uh, which will eventually trickle down. Well, unfortunately, that. On every other front, they have failed. You know, the, they, uh, the neoliberals initially said that they want to bring down the inflation and make the economy more stable. Inflation, well, until the recent uh, the surge uh, had been brought down, but uh, at uh, the cost of uh, having financially more unstable economy. I mean, the, all these uh, the booms and crashes and, uh, you know, financial crisis. And uh, yeah, we have uh, not even seen more growth. Yeah, you know that's the greatest uh, neoliberal myth. Uh, neoliberalism has not uh, delivered the higher growth. Uh, growth rate has actually fallen uh, since uh, the neoliberal the, the experiment compared to the more regulated uh, the days of uh, more regulated capitalism in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. So yeah, I mean we are now live in a situation where inequalities are so high that it is actually reducing social mobility. We live in a situation where, yeah, I mean, by definition, we are richer than ever because insofar as the economy grows, we will be richer than ever, but we are not as rich as we could have been because the growth rate has fallen. But most importantly, you have still this abject uh, poverty and social deprivation because uh, in the process of uh, the, the implementing all these uh, neoliberal reforms, we have destroyed uh, the welfare system, we have uh, destroyed our care system. So now we have uh, the, you know, reports about uh, children starving in school, you know, the, coming to school with a slice of moldy bread, uh, the still, stealing their mates' uh, lunch. You know, I mean, how is uh, the uh, country not scandalized uh, for having these uh, starving children in the order of uh, the hundreds and uh, thousands and even millions in a society which is uh, one of the richest ever in human history? So I think uh, that we really need to uh, look at this uh, that, uh, in a uh, different way. I mean, uh, you cannot just uh, swallow this uh, advertisement, uh, this propaganda, that, that, that we have become richer and uh, everything is fine. Now, in your brilliant new book, Edible Economics, A Hungry Economist Explains the World, 
make sure you get a copy, everyone. Now, you compare Liz Truss's fateful mini-budget to bringing back terrible 1990s Tex-Mex. <laughs> what food... And throughout the book, this food comes up a lot. You can tell from the title, guys. Don't read it on an empty stomach. Um, <laughs> what food would you say Rishi Sunak's economic policy is now? And, and why? Don't just say the food. Why? Yes. Uh, well, unfortunately, I think it's that, uh, like uh, bringing back uh, those uh, horrible the, the food of uh, Britain pre-1990s, you know, overcooked meat, you know, vegetable boiled to death, that, uh, no spice, uh, you know. And yeah, but of course that uh, they want to make it that uh, more palatable. So what they have offered is uh, to loaded with uh, more gravy, you know, maybe bacon rashers, you know, they have uh, reduced the amount of vegetable because it that, that wasn't that, that tasty anyway. And uh, they are now offering uh, the, the extra helpings of uh, the oversweet desserts. You know, these are like uh, things like, you know, asylum uh, processing in Rwanda, the, you know, the <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the self-imposed uh, austerity, you know, anti-labor legislation. I'm, I'm appalled to see this uh, so-called minimum service requirement uh, legislation that uh, the Zuna government is uh, contemplating, uh, the, which will uh, make a lot of uh, the industrial strike activities uh, illegal. You know, the, so yeah, I mean that the, this will make uh, the, the dinner the more palatable because now you have more fat, you have more sugar, you know, that uh, you have uh, the less vegetable, but uh, in the long run, this is uh, unhealthy and uh, it's going to uh, be bad for you. Um, now, on we've got lots of questions. People are mm. very excited that I was interviewing you. Um, Comrade on Patreon asks about wealth taxes to tackle inequality. And I bring this up because Labour under Keir Starmer have suggested that they, they don't support uh, wealth taxes. What's your, or, or won't, they've said, sorry, as well as that, Labour have said under Keir Starmer that they're not looking at significant increases in tax because the tax burden in Britain is at a historic high. So there's no further room for further tax increases. So I'm just interested, wealth taxes, based on what Comrade says, and just what Labour now saying about taxes and, and how we can't increase them for that reason. Yeah, well, you know, that's a very defeatist argument. You know, that, that what I don't understand uh, is that the, how so many people, including uh, the, the supposedly progressive uh, Labour politicians, think that taxes are something that uh, you just uh, take away from people and, I don't know, that throw in the North Sea or the, the, the burn in the incinerator. You know, taxes, our roads, our health system, our pension, you know, our the, 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 the programs for the, the youth and children, you know, our culture, you know, so the, the, the question to ask is uh, whether uh, the government is uh, the, the using the tax uh, to deliver the right uh, the levels and combinations of uh, public services uh, to the population. You know, that's uh, the, got to be the question, you know, the exact tax burden doesn't matter. You know, just uh, think about it. I mean, if uh, the low tax itself is uh, so good, why don't everyone move to Paraguay? Yeah? I mean, the top income tax rate is 10%, top corporation tax rate is uh, 10%. You know, I mean, that uh, on the, the, the basis of this uh, low tax uh, rhetoric, everyone should uh, move to Paraguay. Of course, uh, that very few people do because uh, the, the 
in return for low taxes, uh, the service that you get uh, is low. You know? So the, the, we are the, having the wrong debate. You know? the, the exact uh, level of tax, exact uh, level of debt, uh, these things don't matter. What uh, matters is uh, whether they are delivering the right result. You know? Now, you mentioned other countries. Uh, Lee Flaherty on Patreon asks what kind of alternative models we can look at. Given we're talking about food in your book and making comparisons, what I'm asking, not a question I ever thought I'd ask an esteemed economist, I love tiramisu. Where am I going to get the tiramisu, Hajin? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, we all have our favorite food, but uh, you know, the, the first thing I have to make clear is that, that, you know, that there are different foods that are with... Uh, different uh, the things to offer. Uh, so I'm uh, not saying that, uh, I mean, uh, what I'm going to say now is that uh, the, the only model, only solution. But I think uh, overall, the, the Scandinavian countries and some of the other the continental European countries that uh, got it that, uh, better, I mean, uh, if not exactly right, uh, because that uh, what uh, these countries have been able to uh, create is a society that uh, has at a high degree of equality and high degree of uh, social mobility where the basic uh, living standard is that, uh, guaranteed uh, for everyone. But uh, still, that uh, is that uh, growing fast, uh, is uh, innovative, and is uh, performing much, much uh, better than the, the United Kingdom. So you know, you don't have to uh, go far to the look for a better working uh, model of uh, capitalism. But, uh, you know, the, in the end, uh, in the long run, the, the sky is the limit. You know, you can imagine many different uh, societies. Uh, and uh, we uh, all need to have a, a serious uh, discussion about what we want and how we can uh, deliver them. Because that, that is just a very high degree of uh, fatalism that this is uh, what we are going to be stuck with forever. Of course, I mean, it's uh, very difficult to change the status quo, not least because that, that you know, the rich people control the media, you know, they, they uh, have uh, disproportionate uh, influence on the, the political system and so on. But, you know, I mean, just think about it, uh, you know, 200 years ago, uh, a lot of people thought abolishing slavery in the U.S. was uh, at best that uh, unrealistic, you know. hundred years ago, the, 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 this country that was uh, still struggling with uh, child labor. So, you know, a lot of things have changed uh, because uh, people fought uh, for it mm-hmm. and uh, the society have uh, been transformed. So let's uh, look around, uh, look for, you know, I mean, the British people have been very, very good at uh, adopting uh, new cuisine, different cuisine, completely the the alien cuisine, and uh, create a very interesting uh, food culture. Of course, I mean, even in that context that uh, you have uh, food poverty and you have uh, the the poor people living on unhealthy diet and so on. So I'm not saying that uh, the food situation in this country is uh, ideal, but you know, compared to at least at the 80s and 90s, we have a, a lot more exciting uh, culinary culture. And uh, why can't we do it with the uh, economics? Why can't we do it with uh, the, the, the political system? Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So staying on economic diet, why don't we have a better economic diet in Britain? Well, I think uh, there are uh, a number of uh, complex reasons, but I think uh, the most important thing is that uh, basically one school of economics uh, called neoclassical uh, school of economics has completely taken over the the academic profession and therefore the the kind of advice that uh, the government gets uh, has become uh, totally homogenized. Now, I'm not uh, saying that neoclassical economics is uh, particularly bad, you know, like all other schools of economics, it has its uh, strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but the one the biggest uh, problem with it is that it starts by uh, accepting the existing distribution of income, wealth, and power, and then try to see whether you could uh, introduce certain policies to make the society better. And that, that, that sometimes there are that, that such policies, but that it that therefore refrains from more fundamental reforms. And that when you do that, that, that you sound that, that very nice that, that to that those people who are benefiting from this status quo, because that, that you are only suggesting policies uh, that uh, involve uh, that no or minimal changes uh, to the underlying uh, that structure of uh, this distribution of income and power, and therefore that, that you become more acceptable. So unfortunately, that this country has that, uh, been influenced by that, uh, those ideas more strongly than uh, many others, because uh, basically that, that uh, wealth is uh, that too influential in the political system in this country compared to, say, other European countries and some of the other the Asian countries. A couple of other questions. Automation. So there's often, we've heard for years, going back, you know, when the personal computer arrived, you know, there's always this fear that new technology will create, will destroy jobs. Mm-mm. And and historically, I think it's fair to say that actually that, um, that, that happens, but often more jobs are created in its place. The personal yeah. computer may have destroyed jobs, but other jobs were created because of the personal computer. But there is a big fear now that I suppose people talk about middle class, what we call middle class jobs threatened. Yeah. So I'm interested in what you think about class and automation and why people become angry about or, or more threatened about automation because traditionally yeah. nudism is the term that's used as pejorative. So just talk 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 about automation and class. Yeah. No, there's a rampant uh, class uh, hypocrisy there because, uh, you know, the, the panic... Uh, that's uh, the only way I can describe it. Uh, panic about uh, job losses uh, through automation 
has uh, become rampant in the last 10, maybe the, the 15 years, mainly because uh, the, the now automation is uh, the affecting uh, what you call the middle-class jobs. Yeah? Now you have uh, the, the kind of a lot of uh, the basic uh, accounting and the legal jobs are being automated. Uh, you have uh, the, even the uh, artificial intelligence uh, the, that uh, can uh, draw pictures and uh, the, you know the write uh, newspaper articles. So suddenly, the people who comment on these things, you know, the academics, journalists, the, the, the you know pundits in the think tanks and so on, they are starting uh, the, to feel that automation is something it, that is relevant uh, for themselves as well. Yeah? Because now it's not going to affect the jobs of uh, the, their, I don't know, spouses, their the, the siblings, uh, their the children, their friends. Whereas uh, these people used to, until about 20 years ago, try the, the blue-collar workers uh, for protesting against the automation because at the, at the time they argued, well, this is how capitalism works. Uh, you know, that you automate, you increase productivity, and then the, the more jobs are created. I mean, that is actually the, the broadly right, although the, these people at that point had completely ignored the fact that you know, when the jobs are destroyed, the people's lives are destroyed. So you need the social mechanisms to help these people to retrain and relocate and uh, get reemployed and so on. But uh, insofar as uh, the, the overall long-term picture is uh, concerned, they were actually the more right. But uh, now that uh, that uh, automation is uh, going to affect uh, jobs that, uh, that are held by basically people they know, that they are suddenly feeling that this is an issue. I, mean, I smell rampant uh, the class uh, hypocrisy because uh, only 20 years ago, many of these people were I mean, the, the pouring uh, the, the fire and brimstone on the blue-collar workers uh, for resisting automation. Hmm. Classism and hypocrisy in British political discourse. I won't be having it, as you. <laughs> well, I won't be having very it. rare, yeah. <laughs> um, James Graham on Patreon wants to know about the productivity puzzle for the UK. And... What we've seen is a productivity crisis in this country, which has got particularly acute since uh, 2010. What's going on and how would that change? Well, I must uh, first uh, begin by saying that uh, this country has uh, had a fundamental problem with uh, the productivity for a long time. You know, in the last uh, 25 years, I mean, of course, it has become worse in the last uh, decade, but in the last uh, 25 years, uh, Britain have uh, invested only about 17% uh, of its uh, national income, whereas that uh, is at uh, 21% in Germany, you know, 23 in uh, Sweden, you know, 26 in uh, Switzerland. So this country has uh, basically neglected uh, investments which are necessary in raising productivity. You know, the, uh, in order to increase the productivity, you need to invest in infrastructure, you need to uh, invest in uh, new machines and so on, but uh, that this country hasn't done it. So actually, uh, it was uh, already running on empty. And that uh, since the that, uh, financial crisis, uh, you had uh, uh, kind of uh, com compounded uh, the problem by the, basically the creating a regime of uh, permanent austerity, which uh, discourages uh, the, the investment and uh, the especially long-term investment because uh, the, the companies are 
seeing uh, the very uh, slow, even negative growth that, uh, of uh, demand uh, for their products. And uh, the, what is uh, their, the, the incentive for them to invest in the productivity enhancing measures? Uh, so they uh, then uh, all go for the short-term investments, you know, that will bring return very quickly, uh, but uh, the, that uh, don't uh, raise productivity. Finally, I always like to end on an optimistic note. And, uh, and there's so, so much material at our disposal to fuel the optimism. So that's, that's always helpful. Um, and James, uh, sorry, no, Daniel Goldstein on Patreon asks, as an economist, what are you optimistic in short, medium and long term? What is there, again, people, you know, since 2016, I remember interviewing you in 2016 and it feels like a different universe. Things weren't great in 2016, but it's been, a, it's been one never ending car crash ever since. Optimism as a progressive economist who wants to see a different economic model, where is it? Yeah, no, I, I am actually in the long run uh, very optimistic about uh, the world and uh, this country included because that uh, we see the uh, kind of new wave of, but, uh, kind of uh, social activism, you know, I mean, all this that uh, industrial strikes and so on, of course, I mean. Uh, the government is uh, the, the desperately trying to make uh, the most uh, strikes illegal, but uh, you know, renewed the uh, power of uh, trade unions, uh, renewed the, the industrial activism, you know, young people, the, the especially, but the, the many others that are getting uh, the motivated by the issues uh, to do with uh, climate change. No, because uh, in the end, I mean, that uh, you can produce uh, all kinds of uh, nice ideas and uh, nice uh, policy proposals, unless that uh, people act on them, but uh, things are not going to change. Uh, and, you know, that, that since uh, the days of uh, uh, the, the financial crisis uh, the, in 2008, uh, we have uh, seen many different forms and uh, waves of uh, the social activism, you know, that uh, in the early 2010s, uh, university economics uh, students got organized uh, to campaign for reforming economics, that, uh, especially teaching of economics. And then we had that, that, that wave uh, of uh, the kind of uh, political activism uh, surrounding uh, Jerry Corbyn and uh, John McDonnell. Now we have uh, the climate activism, industry activism. So, yeah, I mean, of course, that uh, it takes uh, time for these things to gel together, and uh, the powers uh, that be uh, are, I mean, doing their best uh, to prevent uh, changes. But uh, in the long run, I think that uh, exactly because of these things that uh, we will see a better world. That is exactly the optimism that we like to end on. <laughs> on these videos and podcasts. Hajun Chang, it's such an honor as always. Do get a copy, everyone, of Edible Economics. The thing about Hajun Chang is he makes very complicated ideas very accessible to people who don't have, perhaps, a big extensive understanding of economics. That's why he's such an invaluable part of, of I guess, the general movement or struggle that exists across the world for a world which is slightly different from the one we currently have, which... Most of us, if we're designing from scratch, wouldn't probably end up with what we've got now. So please do like and subscribe uh, and support. Share this video. Spread the word. Hajun Chang, thank you so much as ever. Thank you.